welcome back to week two of the series that we have been calling How to Hug a Vampire, learning how to love those people that just suck the life out of you. And uh, before we get started, I want to look right into the camera and welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computer screens. We know that um, there are many of you from states away that cannot be here in person, or maybe you're traveling, and so every week we want to make sure that this message gets broadcast to you. And so as one church that meets not just here at East Brainerd Elementary, but also literally all over the United States, Five Stones, can you put your hands together and welcome your church family this morning? So glad that you're here. Hey, we've been talking about vampires, right? Those people that just drain the life out of you. And today I want to talk to you about maybe the scariest of vampires. And it's the angry vampire, right? That anger, those people that are full of anger. If you have your Bibles, you can turn in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to spend some time there. You can also put a marker in Galatians. Those are two areas where we're going to jump in and out about. But perhaps the scariest of vampires is those, are those people that are just angry and they're all around you. You can find them everywhere. They're those people in traffic that tell you you're number one. You know, they're those, those co-workers that lash out to you in anger. They're the family members that just can suck the life out of you and tear you down at family functions. Angry vampires are all around and a bite from an angry vampire is like no other. It is dangerous and it is damaging and it's infectious. We'll talk a little bit about what that looks like. In fact, you can find angry vampires in your in your world all around you, we have a friend uh, that is in the fast food world. And it's Chick-fil-A because we're Christian. Um, but, but he tells me, he says he sees angry vampires there all the time at Chick-fil-A. I said, what do you mean? He said, part of my job is to go out and clean the parking lot up. And he said, every week I will find what I call angry tomatoes. I said, angry tomatoes, what is that? He says, well, that's where every so often... That, that somebody will get a tomato on their sandwich that they didn't order. And the people, like in anger, will roll their window down before they leave the parking lot, and they'll just throw them right out of their window. They would rather yeet them than eat them, you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's, they're that mad, they're that angry. And, and really, honestly, it's everywhere you look. People all throughout your world, I'm sure you've run into angry vampires everywhere. And, and, it's, and how do we deal with that? How, how do we deal with with people who are angry. The Bible tells us very clearly in Scripture how we are to approach somebody um, when, when we have sinned against them, right? If you have made the mistake and, and you made a sin against this person, the Bible says we're to repent of that and we're to, to ask God for forgiveness, and then we're go, supposed to go to that person and say, will you forgive me? But how do we handle those angry vampires in our life that, that attack us in anger? How do, we, how do we approach those people who have sinned against us and damaged us in some way? And how do we handle those angry vampires in our life that suck the life out of you? Maybe you know exactly who I'm talking about because um, when you think about this, it's like that person that calls you on the phone and you're just, you just, you get nervous every time their number pops up or if they send you a text and their name is connected to it, um, you, you just get this feeling in the pit of your stomach that you're, you're just automatically cringing internally when that person comes around. And, and, and the truth is, because of the way that, that God set us up and the way that we work, when somebody attacks you and they have been angry and they've sinned against you, you're either moving in one of two directions. You're either moving towards forgiveness or you're moving towards bitterness. And so the Bible wants us to, to know on how we're supposed to handle that. And as we go through this today, I want you to think about maybe just one person. And, and I'm not, it's not one person that needs to hear this message. I'm talking about maybe somebody in your life that you can think of that you have a strained relationship with. 
Maybe somebody that as I started talking about this angry person, just instantly their, their face came in your mind's eye and, and you, maybe you discounted it. And I want to say just don't discredit that automatically and right away because I think the Holy Spirit has a tendency to bring that person into our minds for a reason. So think about that person as we read through these scriptures. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, this is how we're supposed to handle, handle, handle these angry vampires. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is saying every morning when you get up, you put on some clothes, at least I hope you do. And uh, he said on top of like physical clothes, there's actually some spiritual clothes that you need to put on because the spiritual clothes are really important that we wear. When you wear physical clothes, the clothes that you wear you wear because you want to project a certain identity. This is what you want people to think about you. Well, the spiritual clothes are really important too because we have a tendency to forget that we are in Christ. And as a result, what might happen because of your own thoughts and maybe some religious teaching that you have heard over time, we can get it in our heads that we're just a sinner. You're just a sinner. You're a sinner, you're a sinner, sinner. You're just a dirty, wretched worm. There's actually a theology called worm theology that you can, you can incorporate. But that's not what... what what scripture tells us about us. See, when we're in Christ, when we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord, then we're not just a forgiven sinner, which we are, but we're actually a new creation, a new person. And our primary identity is no longer in ourselves. It's in Christ Jesus. And, And this passage reminds us that we are in Christ. Now, why is that important? Why does that matter? It means that when we have done that, when we have receive Jesus, that we've traded in our old identity, and in its place, we we have something new. Our old desires, our old habits, our old hang-ups, all those things are gone, and something new is here. In fact, that's how Paul opened up this letter to the Ephesians. He didn't say, to you miserable, wretched, rotten, worthless sinners. No, he said, to God's holy people, to you saints. And that's important that we remember because, because I am a saint. When you wake up in the morning, you should think of yourself as a saint. And that changes how you respond to people. And that means that I still sin, but when I do, I turn to Jesus because my identity is in him. My righteousness is in Jesus and not in my own. And the way that I respond to people is not out of bitterness or not out of anger anymore. I don't have to do that because that's not the way that Jesus responded to me. And so I don't have to respond to other people negatively. There are draining, angry vampires all around you, and they're going to say things about you, and they're going to say things to you that are hurtful. And we do things, and we say things, and, and they say things to us. And, and get this in your head right now. Like, you should know this. There could be people right now, there probably are, that are plotting evil against you right now. Like, like that's a reality. They're right there doing that. But when my identity is in Jesus and his love for me, then I can respond in that way. See, when people drain us, Sometimes we can either do one of two things. The first thing we want to do is we want to run and hide. Like we, we, we don't want to have anything to do with that and we get away from it. The other thing that we do is we lash out of them, right? And we become vampire hunters, right? You become Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know? Like that just dated me. I'm, I'm really old. But, but like that, that's what we can do when the, that vampire attacks us. Now we want to turn around and we want to get them. But that's not what Paul says to do. We don't need to enact the vengeance that we feel is coming to them. Paul says this way. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we're all members of one body. In other words, he says that if somebody is, has hurt you or if you have hurt somebody, you need to be honest. 
Like when you've hurt someone, you don't need to sweep it under the rug. You need to go to that person. You need to recognize, I've done something. I've sinned against you. And, and I was wrong. And I, I apologize for that because I know that wasn't right. And, and, and that's what Scripture is telling us to do, to be honest. But it also says that means when people hurt us, when they attack us, then what we do is we don't sweep that under the rug either and just move on. We say, hey, listen, you hurt me. And I didn't care for that. And I need you to do something about that. See, we have this problem, I think, as Christians, we adopt this mentality with Christians that we can't be angry, right? And we just say, well, it's no big deal. Like, let's just, let's just move on, and it's in the past. Can I say something? If it still hurts, then it's not in the past. It's in the present. If it's still hurting you, it is not in the past. And what we say is we, it's not a big deal. But, but it is a big deal. Like, like God thinks it's a big deal. God, Jesus thought it was such a big deal that, that that sin that damages one another, it's a big enough deal that he would die for it. And we don't need to just move on. And, and, and so this is what Paul says. Rather than handling it that way where we just kind of move on, he, he says, be honest about it. And, and then look at this. He says, but in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. See, what happens is when people are angry with you and, and they, they lash out at you and they attack you in some way, a lot of times what we do is we just say, well, it's no big deal. We just move on. But that's not what's happening. Like sometimes when they're angry with us, we get angry too. And can I just say it? that's okay? Like it's okay to be angry? I think sometimes Christians think, well, I can't be angry and be a Christian. Like those two things are not the same. But, but Scripture so, shows God got angry all the time. Jesus was angry about a whole lot of different stuff. And anger is actually, whether you know it or not, it's the correct response to sin. That's exactly how God handled it. There's all sorts of things in this life that you should be angry about. When, when people are, 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 innocent people are hurt, that should make you angry. When a child is damaged in some way, when, when somebody intentionally damages or hurts a child, that should make you angry. When people right here in our community are being murdered, that should make you angry. Because that's the exact heart of the Father. In fact, I think that if you can walk through this reality and, and see some of the things that are going on in our life and around us today and not be angry about it, I question whether or not you have the heart of God. Because God gets angry about these things that happen. See, anger itself is not a sin. It's how you respond to that anger. See, anger, as far as emotions go, is very powerful. And, and it's, the one, it's one of the emotions that can actually, if you're not careful, can lead you into sin if you don't tell your anger where to go. And I, I just want you to feel permission today. If somebody has hurt you in some way, you, you can be angry about it. Anger is okay. It's just make sure that you handle your next actions well. Maybe somebody hurt you in a real, real damaging way. Maybe a, a spouse walked out on you. Or maybe, maybe a father abandoned you. Or, or, or maybe somebody violated you or, or stole an innocence from you. And, and, and maybe somebody robbed from you. There's lots of real reasons that, that, that you could be angry about it, and that's okay. Anger is the right emotion and the right response to that. Anger can be a good, godly emotion. It just shows that you're not emotionally dead. But when somebody attacks you in that way, and, and, and they, they use their anger to lash out at you, here's the key that you, what he said, don't let that lead you into sin. In other words, don't let their actions turn you into something you're not anymore. Right? Don't let their actions make you retaliate and become the vampire hunter. Right? He said, don't re return evil for evil. Remember in the movies, in the, in the vampire movies, when somebody got bit in their neck, and like, what would happen to, to them next? 
They, they become the vampire, right? Like the next scene, like they get bit, they get, the vampire punctures them. And it's always like the person that you like, right? Like it's always in the movies, like, oh no, they were nice, they were friendly, and not, right? And that's what happens a lot of times is, is anger is just like that. Some angry vampire will puncture you, will hurt you. And in the next scene, this nice, friendly person, this person that's been redeemed by God that is holy and different, now we become the vampire too. And that's, that's what he says you don't want to do. He says, Paul says it this way. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, when evil happens to you, handle it quickly. See, back in those days, when the sun went down, everything was done, right? We didn't have electricity. And so when, when the sun went down, you went home. Work was done, you went, and, and you went home, and it was, your day was over. So he's saying, in other words, you need to have a sense of urgency. Otherwise, you'll give the enemy, the devil, a foothold. That word actually means that if you were like climbing a rock face and you're just barely holding on and, and there was a little like a wet, like a little crack you could wedge your foot in, if you could get your foot in that spot, it would give you the ability to, to rise up, to, to get overtake that mountain. And the devil is looking for those little cracks. Paul says, if, if you just allow that anger to, to exist overnight and over time, it'll form a little wedge inside of you where the, the enemy can wedge his little foot in and he can overtake you like a mountain. And he says, don't do that because the enemy loves a bitter believer. Did you know that? He will empower their words. He'll empower their works. Did you know this? That the only power that the enemy has over a believer is what we give him through our sin. It's the only power he has. He, otherwise, he doesn't have any power. And that's why he loves this little foothold, because he wants to work through you. See, when you're being directed by the Holy Spirit, then you're being empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're being moved by the Your words are empowered by God. Your actions are empowered by God. But when you're being led by sin, you're actually being directed by hell. That's why he says, don't let him have even a foothold. And, and, and when you do that, the enemy would love to use your actions and your words, and he will develop inside of you a bitterness. That anger turns into hatred, and that hatred becomes bitterness, and he will use that to divide people any way he can. And if you've been hurt because somebody has sinned against you in anger, then your, your answer is not to respond back at them in anger, because that'll just lead you to sin. See, that's when Satan will he'll show up, and he'll start empowering your words, and he'll in, start empowering your your actions, because he wants you to become the vampire hunter. Because then every one of your relationships, you'll look around and it'll be filled with death. And so some of you, some, someone has damaged you and you have turned around and, and, and you've lashed out. Or maybe somebody has damaged you and in their anger, they've attacked you and you start feeling something rise up inside of you. And when that happens, when, when somebody in anger has damaged you in some way that you want to turn around and lash out at them, then something needs to die. You need to kill something. Now somebody is like getting really excited for the wrong reason. They're like, man, here's a preacher I can get behind. If Denise at work does that one more time, Pastor Tom says, stake in the heart. That, do, do not quote me on that because that's not what I said. Okay, no, something needs to die. There's something that's very alive in you, but, but it's, it's actually in you, right? When, when something or, or someone has lashed out against you and you start to feel that, that rise up inside of you, there's something that the Bible says is inside of you that needs to die. In fact, I want to share with you three things. These three things that are in your life need to die. And, and, and when you do this, the Bible says it, it, this, is a, this is a surefire way to combat, combat those people that suck the life out of you. So I just want to share this with you. And let me tell you something. These, by the way, happen daily. 
You need to die to these things daily. Here's the first things. If you have your notes, you want to write this down. The first thing you need to do is crucify self. Crucify self. Most of us that are Christ followers at some point in our life have experienced this at least some point. Um, where we got to this place where we, ha- we figured out that when we were running our own life and when we were managing it, um, we were pretty bad at it. And um, our world was going down pretty fast. And we realized that, that those things that we thought would bring us freedom um, didn't really work. And so there, there comes this moment where we realize that, that if we were going to try and find true happiness and true life, not just here on this earth, but also eternally, that, that we need to hand our lives over to Jesus. And the day that we did that was the best day ever. At least it was for me. Maybe it was your best day ever. If you've ever done that, you handed your life over to Jesus, then, then it was the happiest day of your life. But the problem that we make as, as Christians, is that the rest of our Christian life, and this may be difficult to hear, but the rest of our Christian life is just us reclaiming those things that we handed to God. And it's taking those things back and saying, God, I'm in the process of giving these things back to you. And we find ourselves miserable on earth thinking, uh, well, at least I'll get to heaven one day. But let me tell you something. God, yes, God has a happiness, a joy for you, eternal, but he wants you to live a, an abundant life here. He wants you to be happy this day. And so how does this work? Well, this is how Paul said it in Galatians. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The Bible's teaching us here. It's saying that, that everything that you do, everywhere you go, you should give your life over to God daily. And, and this is not like a salvation prayer that I have to pray every day because I don't know where I'm going. That's not what it is. But what he's saying here is that, that there's some stuff inside of you that needs to be handed back over to God, and it needs to die. Can I tell you something? The more that you die to self, the more alive you'll become. And these things that are inside of us, Paul says you have to give these back over to God. Well, how does that work? Well, it works like this, that every morning when you wake up and you put on these spiritual clothings, clothes, one of the things you do is you pray, God, it, just today, before this day gets started, I give my life back to you. Again, this is not because you don't know whether you're going to heaven or hell. It's just saying that right now, God, I'm going to hand my life over to you because I know me and I know that there's this, this part of me that wants to take over control. There's this part of me that wants to rise up inside of me. And before I get this day started, I want you to call the shots, God. I want you to be the one in control. The Bible says that if you'll do this, if you'll start off your day with humility, as low as you can, with your face on the floor before the Lord, if you'll do that, then the rest of the day, he'll, he'll pick you up. He'll rise you up. But the problem is, if, if we start off our day real high with, with pride, and we start it off there, there's only one place to go, and it's down. And so every morning, what it takes is, is this moment where you say, God, I just give you back my life. This is why Paul said in, in uh, Corinthians, he said, I die daily. Every day, there's something inside of me that needs to die. This is Paul. Paul says there's stuff inside of me every time, and, and it needs to die. You know why it needs to die? Because it's really hard for dead people to get angry, right? If you don't believe this, just on your way home from church, just stop at a funeral home. Okay, and just walk up to the dude in the coffin, right? He's in the casket, just walk up and go, yeah, I hate you. And watch what he does. Like, he's not going to do one of these, like, "Eh," you know? No, he's going to go like this, right? If he doesn't tell me. Because why is he going to do that? Because he's dead, right? Dead people don't get angry. 
Dead people don't get frustrated. Dead people don't lash out. They don't get jealous. That's not what dead people do. You don't, you're not going to get anything out of them. Why? Because they're dead. See, dead people are, 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 are different. They don't get jealous. They don't get angry. Get, they don't get frustrated. I'm saying, what if we just took Paul's advice here? And what if we did this daily? What if daily we said, I'm going to die to myself daily. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get frustrated. When they lash out at me, when they, their angry words attack me, I'm not going to respond back. And you might be saying, well, Tom, you're just trying to make me into a pushover. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to give you the, a secret to freedom, to life, a, a secret that very few people actually have in their life to receive real, true peace in their life. I'm trying to give you a secret to, to defeat the vampires at their own game. Here's the second thing that needs to die. It's in your notes. Number two, you need to crucify the flesh. Now, what is that? Let me define that for you because it's, it's kind of a biblical term. It's going to be throughout Scripture. One translation will call it the sinful nature. Okay, this is, this is the sinful nature that's inside of me. In other words, it means that, that because you're a follower of Christ, when you believe in Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, there are still some actually some parts inside of you that desire the wrong things. And it may not be much. It's just a few things. And, and you know what those things are. And... and, and the Bible is saying you need to crucify that sinful nature inside of you. And what does this mean? It means that every morning, that as you pray that prayer, you say, God, I have a tendency to blow it in these areas. Like, I, I know those areas that I, I personally, I, I know those areas that I'm about. It's not much. Like, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, like, it tends to be the same areas over and over, right? Like, I, I'm gonna, I want to sin there. That makes me really angry. When they do that, I, I get really frustrated about that. And, like, those are the areas. And what, what it's saying is if you, if you are going to do this, then you're going to look for those areas and you isolate them. And you say, I'm not going to allow that thing to take root inside of me today. I'm, but, like, she always acts that way. Like, I just know in advance. When I get up, I'm going to go to work, and she's going to respond like that because she always answers like that, and I want to get real mad, and I want to respond back to them in that way, and I'm not going to do it. So this morning, before I get started, I'm just going to go ahead and think of that person, and I'm going to go ahead and forgive them in advance. I'm not going to allow that thing to rise up inside of me and allow me to be angry. I'm actually already going to apologize, going to forgive them now. And I'm not going to let that sin nature that wants to rise up inside of me because I'm, I'm like the, the night of the living dead, right? You know what I mean? Like it's like that, that, that thing inside of me wants to come back to life and I want to attack them. But he says that's not how this works. If you'll, if you'll crucify that sin nature and, and do rather than... than drab them in, a, in the heart with a stake. You just say, God, before this gets started, I'm not going to handle it that way. Here's how he said it further down in Galatians. He said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. So Paul says, look, that, it's going on inside of you. You might as well crucify them there. Another place in Colossians, he says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. This is all throughout scripture. Inside of us are these places. And if you'll do this, I, I guarantee you, you're going to start seeing change in your life when these angry vampires try and lash out of you. And, and for those of you that, that have, have dealt with this, this is how you beat them at their own game. Because what we'd really like to do is kill them, right? I don't want to kill this stuff in me. I want to kill them. But that's not how this works. And, and so I'm just saying if you would just try this, maybe just for a week, just try it for one week. And just see, see what happens if God will do it, what God will do in your life. If you'll just in these areas, you die to yourself, and then you die to your flesh, and uh, and you just make up your mind that that you're not going to return to those areas. Here's the last thing that needs to be crucified in our life: we need to crucify the world. 
what does that mean? Well, there are certain appetites and attitudes that the world projects. It, 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 it's all around us. And um, I, just, I just believe, I have a feeling that we are more connected to the world than we actually know, like that, that, or that we're willing to believe. And, um, and it's, it, it, we eat the world's fruits, and then we wonder why we receive the, the world's results, right? And so th- this, is what, this is what Paul said. He said, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified. So the things of this world, the world's interest in me has also died. Have you ever heard about the phrase like, um, how you boil a frog, right? Uh, why you'd ever want to boil a frog, I don't know, but... But they say, like, if you wanted to boil a frog, you wouldn't put the frog in boiling hot water because the frog would just jump right back out, right? But instead, if you wanted to boil a frog, you'd put them in room temperature water and you just slowly turn the degree up little by little by little. And before long, that frog just sits there all happy and he's dead, right? He's, he's boiled alive. In the world all around us, we are steeped in, in, in the world's response. And, and it's ugly. And can I just be honest with you? There are some things that are coming across your screen that are terrible, that God doesn't want. And, and I know what this sounds like. I, like literally, as I was thinking about this message, I thought, man, I'm going to sound like one of those old preachers when I say this, but can I just be a pastor to you? Like, I, I felt like I, I had to do this. Like, there are some things that you're looking at and you're listening to because it's in the world around you, and you think you're immune to them. You feel like, like you've, you've been immune. The other day, I went into a restaurant. Literally, this happened to me. Just right here in Chattanooga, I went to a restaurant, and on the screen, I brought my kids with me. On the screen was, was nudity, like right there on the screen. I, like, I was like, ah, trying to hide my kids from that. Then I went to get my hair cut later on the week, and I, I was sitting there in the chair, and, and while I'm getting my hair cut, uh, there was the song that was on there was just dropping F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. And, and, and like this is, like, I just, like everybody was going along their way, and I thought, what has happened? Because even I, like, it was sitting there, and I was like, well, it's just, you know, it's just a song. I mean, like, these are all guys in there. It's not kids or whatever. And, and see, what, what's happening is we're the frog. We are the frog, and we're sitting inside of this, and I know what this sounds like. And as I was typing out this message, I'm sitting there typing, the Lord just, just highlighted something in me. He, he said, what about this show? And I'm watching this show right now, and it's funny. It's good. Like, like if, if I told you, like, oh, that's fine. And every so often, it blurs the line. You know, it's not really bad, but just a little bit, you know, it's off. And I'm usually like, ah, wish they hadn't said that, but, but it's really funny. It's good. And so I keep watching it, right? And, and the Lord highlighted this inside of me and said, like, is it really worth it? And I was like, oh, no, this was supposed to be for them, not for... And it stung, right? And, and, and like, this is just for me. Like, I'm not putting this on anybody else. But like, for me, there's, there's if I want to be different... That I need to recognize that the culture, the fruit of the culture all around me is anger and rage and bitterness and sexuality to our kids and, and, and outside of the confines of marriage and, and, and all kinds of stuff. Like, it's like it's, we're just inundated with it. And we just look at it and we say, well, it's not that bad it, because it's funny or it's good. Like, don't be like that old preacher. But I'm telling you right now, we're being inundated with it and it's boiling us alive. And I just want to say, is it really worth it? That might not be the, the place for you, but there's something. There's something in your life that, that God's saying, if, if you really want to be a next level person, if you really don't want to deal with all this, that there's something in your life that you've been tolerating at the expense of real change. And I don't know what it is for you. I'll let the Lord tell you that because the Holy Spirit's going to be a lot better at that than, than I am. And, but, but you should ask yourself, Lord, search me. Show me those areas that, that are causing me to turn around and lash out at people. 
And you, you ask yourself, like, where is that coming from? When somebody lashes out at you and you turn around and you lash back at them, it might just be this. You might be holding on to something. There might be something in your life that whether you know it or not, you have been holding on to. Maybe some angry words have been spoken to you. Somebody sinned at you in some way, and you've internalized it, and you've been holding on to it. And that'll form a root of bitterness in your life. Maybe some angry vampire has bit you, and, and you've been holding on to this thing for a real long time. I want you to do me a favor. Right now, everybody in the room, just do, do me this favor. Make a fist right here, as, as tight as you can. Just hold it right out in front of you, just as tight as you can. Everybody in the room, just as tight as you can. A little tighter. Squeeze a little bit harder. Tighter. T just as tight as you can. Just pull, it, pull on that. Just a few, few more seconds. Just tight as you can. Hold on to that fist. Just pull it. Come on. So the place, like your hand is kind of shaking. I want you like really tight. Hold on. Just a few more seconds. Tight as you can. I'm squeezing it. Squeeze. Come on. Don't, don't give me a weak fist. Give me a tight one. There you go. Like tight as you can. Just a few more seconds. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Now release it. Doesn't that feel good? It feels good when you release that. Some of you have been bitten and you've been holding on. You internally, whether you know it or not, you've been doing that. You've been holding on to that venom that some vampire bit you with. And God is saying, if you'll just release that today, if you'll crucify those areas of your life, if you'll die to self, if you'll die to flesh, if you'll crucify the things of this world, and if you'll just release that person, hey, I'm not trying to say what they did was right, but I'm saying, if you'll just release that, then God is able to bless you. We sung this morning that the Lord bless you and keep you. Let his face shine upon you. Let, his, let him be gracious unto you. Let him lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Do you know God wants to give you peace this morning? And he wants to hand it to you. Scripture says he, he daily loads us up with benefits. He wants to bless you. But some of us are holding on to this thing, and God just can't. He, he wants to give, but he can't until you would just release it. Just take a moment where you release, then God can give you that peace. Then when the angry vampires in your life are trying to attack you and bite you and spit venom on you, then you have this peace that goes beyond understanding. You can turn back to them and say, man, I love you. God bless you. When they tell you you're number one in traffic, you can go, beep, beep, have a good day. That's what God wants for you, a peace. And it only comes with releasing them. And so I want to pray with you today. And so I'm going to ask you just all over the house, will you just bow your heads and just close your eyes for just a second.